Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy here with you. On our first, uh, well, yeah, it's our first show in the month of August. This football is right around the boys. Football is happening this month. Believe it already. Yeah. Uh, stunning that we are are now this uh, far along. We are Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, use the home of UCF uh, Sports on SB Nation. Uh, you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, and facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. How are you boys doing so far? Oh, it's it's a great night, uh, Jeffrey. Uh, for those who enjoy baseball, it's been fun watching the Yankees beat up on the Orioles and then also watching the Orioles' highest paid slash worst player go after their own manager. Fantastic. What, a, what, a, what an evening for the – enjoy the baseball while you've got it. <laughs> but until for the next, what, 17 days until – until we have football to actually come on, yeah, Murph. Yeah, we got the seventeenth ranked team in the country to cover. Soon. Oh, right. we'll get to that. That's what this podcast is for, Eric. Oh, exactly. that's right. Yeah, we'll oh, get, this we'll ain't get the to that. Uh, this ain't the BH nine zero two one zero recap that I was. No, 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 no. We're not recapping Handmaid's Tale either. Um, we uh, we've got uh, we've got that. We've also got a uh, uh, interview I've been dying to get on the show. Uh, and we finally, um, and we're so happy to have him on board. Aaron Evans is going to join us, the former UCF offensive lineman tour, turned staff artist at UCF Athletics. That's uh, So we'll talk to him about that, his career at football, his time at UCF, his time at the pros, and how he got, how he got into, well, becoming an artist, um, and a pretty damn good one at that. So uh, we've got that and plenty more to talk about, including Murph's uh, – Phenomenal sleuthing ability on Twitter, snipping out stories uh, for UCF baseball, ladies and gentlemen. No one breaks stories like Brian Murphy at Black and Gold Banner. We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, let's dive in on football. The uh, headlines this week from the first week of practice, UCF is ranked 17th in the uh, coaches poll. AP poll doesn't come out until uh, actually a couple weeks from now. It comes out pretty late. Uh, Eric, Eric, I know you can't wait for that. I know, yeah. Hey, the week, that's right. You know, nothing like the media putting out numbers, more rankings, reaction. Although I got to say, I'm pretty proud of everybody here. I think everybody reacted pretty well on the coaches well, poll at 17. There was no overreactions. There was no like outcry for injustice. I think everybody felt pretty good. Well, you know, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty remarkable about this. Uh, I, I actually followed this. Um, so I, I, I wrote up the story real quick when it happened. Um and I put out a poll with it on Twitter. And you know how UCF people are on Twitter, right? UCF Twitter. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the result was I asked, you, what do you think? Too high, too low, or just right? And, the, uh, and what do you call it? The results were actually pretty interesting. Over 80% of respondents said just right. You know, so you're right. There really wasn't any uh, overreaction to it at all. So I, I thought that was encouraging to see. You guys agree with that? Yeah, it was, it's, it's not over 80 percent. 78 percent said just right. 14 too low, eight too high. Um, you know, and I know it's a limited, you know, sample size and you know, Twitter and all that. But I was actually surprised at the reasonableness of that reaction. No. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah, it's a small sample size, but because of the source. It's actually maybe statistically significant because Twitter is not known for its um, even-handedness. Uh, we've got and a couple other things. Actually, Mackenzie Milton was on uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt last night. Really, I hadn't heard about that. Broke a little, yeah, 
broke a little news on that uh, too. By the way, uh, he said that the, the nerve, the nerve in his leg, his injured leg, um, has recovered one hundred percent. That's the one thing that I remember medically that they were really concerned about um, in the immediate aftermath of the injury. And we've heard all kinds of things about, you know, you know, the problem is the nerve damage. I think even going back to Murph, correct me if I'm wrong, Bo Jackson too, right? Like that was one of the things that was a real problem for him. Of course, that was 25 years ago, but, um, uh, but that's, that's good. That's good news, right? I mean, that's, um, it's, okay. Is, does that bump the chances up to him playing in 2020 at all? Or what do you think? It bumps it up. Um, not, I don't know, but again, it's, it's really hard to gauge because there, there could be some vague, like some, some vagueness in his answer of, okay, the, the nerve is a hundred percent. Does that mean it has regained its form? Does that mean it's firing as it used to fire? Like, is it as normal as it was pre-injury or is it just like back to its, it's, it was stretched. So now is it back to its normal shape and ready to go from there? Like that, I guess is some some stuff we don't know, but just taking him on uh, what I thought he did mean. And I wrote about this on the site for a little bit uh, earlier today. It is positive because again, like you said, Jeffrey, this is the one thing that is kind of um, not, it's not the, uh, it's not quantifiable. You can't really put a timetable on nerve recovery. It just sort of does it on its own. Um, right. And for him to be this positive about his nerve in the damaged leg um, that is, that, that is, that is a step forward. And so I don't know how much it bumps it up, but there is at least in some, in some aspect, yes, it's an improvement from where we were yesterday. Does this, uh, Elo, do you think that this might complicate matters in 2020 going forward? I mean, I know that we, you know, right now we're in a, yeah, and we'll get to this a little bit more with Brandon Wimbush and, um, and, and possibly Dylan Gabriel, maybe getting some playing time this year, but, yeah, if McKenzie does come back, now Josh Heupel might have something to deal with because, you know, this is something that, that, that you know, don't get me wrong. This is You might think, oh, that's way too far out in the future. But believe me, coaches start planning for this kind of stuff way in advance, don't they? Yeah, but I think we're jumping the gun. We're making way too much of this interview. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's great news. Maybe we're just happy to hear good news about anything. He's right. Yeah, it, that's all exactly. It's good news, yeah. I think, for his well-being. Let's just go with that for now, which yeah. is the most important thing. I think we're, we're like whether he plays another snap or not doesn't sure. really matter, quite honestly. I know that you know how's he doing as a per, you know, well-being. I think is really the more important thing. I mean, this was a, he was very close to losing his leg. Um, yeah. So when you put that into perspective, I think that's where I take it, and that's it. I personally don't think he'll ever play again so you're asking the wrong guy how this complicates 2020 now that doesn't mean he couldn't come back in 2020 but i think we're way we we, he's just got to get back to being normal walking and things like that before we can even discuss whether he can play again uh because there's so many different things he's got to get through not just physically but mentally too because uh football's not going to be any less violent in 2020 and so there's a lot of things they're going to have to take into a into play uh, with the risk and everything like that. So I think yeah. it's good news from a, a person's standpoint uh, and, and how he's doing well-being. I do have this question I will throw out there, especially to Mr. Brian Murphy, who is there on the grind on a daily basis as part of the media. Staking out practice every day. And we all know, okay, he was on with Scott Ben Pelt on Tuesday night, which was great and all that. But I do have concerns, gentlemen, and I'll start with you, Murph. I personally don't want this to become an ongoing thing where the national media in particular uh, every week on game week tries to get Mackenzie Milton as part of the broadcast. And that's my concern for 2019 because whoever the quarterback's going to be is going to have a lot on its plate because fans are going to be comparing him to Mackenzie Milton and things like that. And I just think that creates a little bit extra distraction and pressure there. I just hope that we don't, and, and again, it's very respectful from a national, I hope this is not where we see McKenzie Milne on every broadcast of the game. You see where I'm following there, Murph? Right, but, but it depends on what your standard is as far as him being a part of the broadcast. When you look at the position, he's the best player they have possibly on the entire team. 
He's the most important player at the most important position, and he's obviously hurt. And then you've got, you know, you've got to talk about obviously the starting quarterback, but at some point that starting quarterback discussion, whether it's Wimbush or Mac or his his statesman Gabriel, it's going to lead back to Milton, but it might only lead back to Milton for maybe 15 to 20 seconds. He might be he's going to have to be probably mentioned during the broadcast. Sure. But I would not I don't fear that every game is going to have some sort of graphics package <laughs> on Mackenzie Milton. Uh well, for not just a package deal, but like, hey, the sideline, let's go down to the sideline and let's go interview McKenzie Bell. How's he doing this no, week? I don't, you know? no, no, no. First of all, I don't think the, the school would allow that week to week to right. week. But you could but you would have to, you know, as just a broadcaster, probably mention it at least. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Sure. No, yeah, I agree would with you. I at least not to have like, like you can guarantee yes, every every game you're going to see like a rejoiner coming out of a break and they're like and there's Mackenzie Milton who uh, yeah. the starting you know they're going to have uh, well, Allen Cam and then they're going to have Milton Cam like no that's not going to happen <laughs> right. well, I hope you're right on that Murph I mean do we I mean I am curious where will he be on game days will he be on down on the field will he be in a suite will he be in this I mean I don't, that is interesting because you say there won't be a Milton Cam but I mean listen I've been a part of these productions and broadcasts trust me. If they could spot them, they'll show them. I mean, yeah. I mean show them. I, I, I don't put it past these people. I mean, how many? I mean, well, I mean you saw I mean, how they always show. You know, just sell good every time. Somebody out and like, but they're always doing these. But they're always doing these. Remember, it's it's a TV show that's watched by people out in Kansas, and they're like, oh yeah, what happened to the kid who was really good who broke his leg last year? You know, they're they're always going to want to. I, mean, I, I understand, but that's a real simple thing. You just say. You know, black and gold, black and banneret reported that Mackenzie Milton was doing fine, and he's doing this. We don't need like additional coverage. It's already been covered. That's all I'm saying. It's we we're, the story's been covered. Uh, I don't unless there's like real news coming out, which I don't anticipate. I don't think this should be dominating the the broadcast per se, and that's my concern uh, moving forward. The media on this angle. I, it will not. I, I mean, I'm pretty confident it will not dominate, especially after maybe the first week or so when when they're sure. playing at FAMU and there's nothing to talk about when UCF's up by 50 in the third. Uh, <laughs> then after that, oh that, boy, that, we're making that, predictions. Sure, why not? Uh, FAMU's awful. How about that prediction? Okay. Uh, but no, he's not going to be. A, he's not going to be a, a centerpiece of the broadcast. I, I doubt that heavily. I do think that. We will. I, I hope this is made me hoping more than anything. I hope we get to talk to McKenzie before the season starts once, and then maybe once or twice during the year um, as yeah. part of like as, you know, he's put in front of the media. I hope that's happened. I hope that happens for us. Um, but I do. I do not expect him to be a staple of every national broadcast that UCF uh, is a part of. I would be surprised if that actually happened because segue uh, the biggest storyline i think so far this uh, this year is going to be how is ucf going to do at the quarterback position in mckenzie milton's stead and i think mckenzie is also mature enough and understands the situation where like i'm not going to crimp in and like give my seal of approval or be perceived as giving my seal of approval to any one guy because it's it's their show i need to stay out of the way i'm not going to play this year so um, and you know, we've been right. And we're writing actually this week, our five biggest questions regarding UCF football. Uh, number one, obviously was who's the quarterback Murph. You've had, uh, a pair of them, uh, one on who's going to be the slot guy and then who's going to be, and then how's the DL looking this year? Um, Luke Sarris has got one coming. Then I've got one on Friday, but, um, and make sure you check black and gold banneret for all the latest on that, of course, promo. But, um, you know, as of right now, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, well, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised at this. Is you know, Josh Heupel plays things very close to the best. We saw that in the ECU game last year when he literally waited until the last possible second to send Daryl Mack out there, um, even though he probably knew he was sending him out there all week. But do we know anything right now about who has the pole position for the quarterback <laughs> position at all? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you think we'll ever know <laughs> until yeah, until, like, until the first yeah until the first snap at, at, at against FAMU? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, when like Dan Forcella runs into the ESPN broadcast. Going, by the way, it's Brandon Mimbo. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a CBS Sports Network broadcast. Oh, right? sorry, okay. sorry. There you go. So a little right. different there. Right. I mean, if, tells, if you... tells our buddy Dave Ryan, who's who the star quarterback yeah. is. 
<laughs> right at kickoff, like it's Wimbush. Right. Um, As you can see, my, Brandon, I mean, look, you know, we know what we're doing here. We're all kind of grasping at straws. We're parsing words. You know, we're trying to get any morsel of information that we can strain out of Josh Heupel. Um, but it's going to be impossible. Same with Jeff. Le- same with Jeff Levy, uh, the quarterbacks coach. There is a scrimmage tomorrow, the first full scrimmage of fall practice. They will play under the lights. They will run about 100 plays. They will cycle through each of the quarterbacks and put them all in game situations, put every player in game situations. Uh, and then we will and meet no with all the people to see it. <laughs> we will, and then, yes. And then if you're looking forward to seeing it, guess what? You can't unless you are part of the UCF football team. Um, and then we will meet with Hypel and at least the three quarterbacks. Uh, on Saturday, and we will once again do this dance of trying to strain any bit of uh, info that we can. But at least in that 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 scrimmage should represent some sort of benchmark. And even if we don't know, certainly after that scrimmage, the 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 idea of who the starter will be should become clear in their minds. If it's not already clear. Uh, the only problem is we probably just won't know about it until August 29th at around 7.29 p.m. <laughs> and not to or at least that the, week of. Right. That week. Not to mention all the other positions, like you're saying, who's going to, you know, how are they going to, how are they going to handle wide receiver, running back and all that, you know, where, where's Killen's going to go? Where's, where's Otis Anderson going to go? And all those kinds of who's things. The who's, who's the, the kicker? Who's the kicker? Which we will handle. Uh, which we will handle later on in the week too, because you know, hey, you got two, you got new specialists this year, new kickers, new punters. Don't think for a second that that doesn't matter in college football because it does. Um, yeah, By the so way, there's... can I defend and I'll defend Josh Heupel? Why should he tell us? Yeah, you're right. He's not obligated. He's not. Obligated. He's not obligated. He's not. He's not obligated to because he's got opponents to think about. He doesn't. He, he doesn't know us. Anything. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know. Plus, I mean, you know. I, look, I think we're. Would you agree, Murph? Regardless of who they announce, if they announce it at all, we're going to see two, probably three quarterbacks in that FAMU game, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, it would be, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty Absolutely. safe bet. Yeah, yeah, I would um, not be surprised mm-hmm. to see uh, to see Gabriel, for example, get snaps with the first team in that FAMU game at some point, just to see what they've got, right? And I also, I also am not a hundred percent sure that the first quarterback we see against FAMU will be the first quarterback we see against FAU the following exactly. week. Exactly. Yes. Fair point. That's a, yeah, no, you took my point, Murph. That's a great point. I There's no rush here. He could play all the quarterbacks nothing, and, and use them in live games and see what happens. Because if someone jumps out and really outperforms somebody, it reminds me of what Brett Hodges did in 09 when Rob Calabrese was the so-called starter. He was, he was terrible against Sanford and Brett Hodges outperformed them, came off the bench and won games. And eventually the staff realized, Hey, he's the best guy for the job. And then the same thing happened in 2010 because Rob Calabrese wasn't very good. And then Jeff Godfrey took his job. So just because you have somebody in mind going into camp, doesn't mean he's the best guy two, three games into the year. I mean, uh, we saw that even, in, and, and we see that more and more now in college football. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't start till what week five, fifth game against for Clemson, something like that. I mean, uh, you know, about, Miami, for example, going to play Florida, you know things like how that. About, how about Ian Book at Notre Dame? Who'd he replace? Right, Brandon Wimbush. Right. Brandon Wimbush. Um, heck, I mean, Murph, you and I worked the Alabama game against Louisville, we all assumed that Tua would be the starter, and he was, but Nick Saban didn't even announce a quarterback when we were working the Alabama-Louisville game, right? That was part of our job. We had to let people know, hey, who's number 13 under, is under the first snap. Right. That was a series-by-series series thing, wasn't it? Didn't they, yes. like, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, again. Part of that, the, I was part of that ABC broadcast, and one of my responsibilities to constantly let them know who was a quarterback on each snap, yes, and in right. each series. I was doing the same for PA, so it was fun. It was a good night. As as Alabama held its its fall scrimmage against Louisville, and no wonder you guys are such huge fans of uh, of, of Nick Saban. All right, um, we're gonna t- probably, <laughs> well, spoiler alert. We'll I'll probably be doing. We'll be doing if if Mer- uh, the Miami Florida game. We'll probably have a similar situation with the Miami quarterback because they probably Maybe. won't name one either. So this is just college football, and I know it came out Wednesday. And Murph, you ta- tweeted about it. Uh, where you don't have to give out injury information in college like the, you do in the pros. And so uh, we're in the pros. farming the gambling community on that, too. Correct. Right. So 
as correct. And Murph, you can explain expand on that. But as a result of that, a college coach doesn't have to give out anything right now. Uh, I, yeah, it doesn't need to be expanded upon. It's pretty evident what's trying to happen. Um, look, the gamblers and the line setters would like to know who's going to play and who's not and be someone be truthful about it. That would really help their bets. Uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, it, it, you know, it is what it is. And But because it's got shut down for another year, at least one more year, we're going to have every college coach for another year act like Bill Belichick and that everyone is questionable or probable or probably questionable. <laughs> Listen, as probable. Arm. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, at some point we will find out. Um, and at some point someone's going to, someone's going to be winning games. It'll be pretty obvious to everybody who it's going to be at that point. So we'll be monitoring practice that we can't watch and uh, looking for any clues. Murph, I know you're there trying to get something. Best of luck to everyone out there. You know what? You guys should all just rotate each day when you talk to Josh Heupel. Just have a different person ask him the first question, and that first question should be, who's the quarterback? <laughs> just, just, I, you know, it's okay, it's your turn, Murph. Okay, it's Despina's turn, you know. Just I, have, I, actually, I actually have opened – I have used that exact question to open it up uh, or to be like an icebreaker for like five different players this year yeah. um, just because it's such a joke for me to ask it, so it's like an icebreaker, but that, like, that's where we are. Right. <laughs> like, well, let's it, let's let's make it, let's let's laugh. Let's open this interview with a laugh. Who's going to be the quarterback? That's right. that's what happened. And, you know, we. And by the way, uh, I only want to know who the quarterback is going to be for purely selfish reasons. Again, Josh Heupel's not beholden to anybody. He will not tell anybody. Most likely until uh, a couple days out of the game. We are only speculating, and I would like to know purely because I am selfish and self-centered and want to know. <laughs> we have a right to know. Well, no, we don't, but yeah, anyway. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will talk with former UCF offensive lineman Aaron Evans, who uh, is seeing his uh, art career uh, expand by leaps and bounds. We'll talk to him about that and plenty more when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and we're back after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon and Brian Murphy joining Eric Lopez is off doing his softball wood stuff for the moment. But uh, joining us now is, uh, well, he's a man for all seasons, uh, most certainly. Played at UCF from 2013 to 2017. Uh, played a couple seasons in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles. Played with the uh, Orlando Apollos of the uh, Alliance of American Football, and is now the staff artist for UCF Athletics. Former UCF left tackle Aaron Evans joining us on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Hey. What's up, Aaron? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you on. I've, I, I could not wait to get you on the show because um, the the work that you're doing for those of you who have not seen what Aaron has been doing uh, at Spectrum Stadium, um, and not just at Spectrum Stadium, but on his Instagram, uh, which uh, for those of you who are wondering is a Evans underscore Art, a Evans underscore Art. Um, it's been phenomenal. So UCF commissioned you to do that uh, to do at least one mural uh, at at Spectrum Stadium. I think you've got a couple more in the pipeline too. Is that right, Aaron? No, I uh, I did two murals at UCF in the stadium. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I got a, a couple more murals lining up. I got some like businesses in Orlando reaching out to me. Um, UCF Valencia reached out to me. I don't know if they're going to get, get back to me on my bid for the mural they have. They're doing a new fitness center downtown. Um, I don't know if that's going to go through or not, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot in the works, lots of commission orders coming in. Um, I'm busy, man. I got a music festival reached out to me to do a live graffiti painting, um, Florida man music festival. So things are happening, man. It's moving. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're going to get to uh, – I want to get back to this in a second. But, I mean, just, just starting off, I, I, when it comes to, you know, your football career, 
which is how we were all introduced to you. Um, you were one of the OGs of this era of UCF football, and I really do mean that because you came to you came to UCF in 2013 as a freshman. You redshirted that year, and that was the year the UCF goes 12 and one and makes the Fiesta Bowl, and and wins the Fiesta Bowl. And you played through two conference titles in 13 and 14, the the bottom falling out in 15. And the resurgence under Scott Frost in 16 and 17 in the national championship. Yeah, it, talk I, about a peak and valley. <laughs> I know, man. When you look back on that five years, what do you remember most fondly about those times? Oh, my gosh. Honestly, the mo- my more fond memories are with the Frost staff. Um, that time with them was um, really just a blast really what I imagined my college experience to be like. Um, the coaching staff, the way they treated us as players, the, the success we had, um, it was just really, that was amazing, truly. I, I, I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus, but describe for us who weren't on the inside, I guess, the, the real difference between the O'Leary era and the, and the Frost era, because – it was such a dramatic shift. I mean, we saw it on the outside, but you were there. You were in the meetings every day. You were in the building. What were the what? How did the attitude and the atmosphere around UCF football change from one staff to the next? Um, the players stopped being numbers on a on a sheet. You know, uh, the the players actually were told we were valuable instead of we were just replaceable. Um, um, that reality always exists. There's no need to flaunt it. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and they just really showed us the frog staff really showed us a lot of respect as players. And they, they challenged us to be men and to take ownership of our craft and to, um, just like be individuals, but also work as a unit, work as a team, build a family, like, like those tenets of football, faith, family, uh, football, you know, like, they actually practiced it. It wasn't just nice, uh, beautiful words to post on the wall um, to get recruits in. It was genuine. And um, and it was just – it was awesome, man. It was really an honor to play for them. Go ahead, Aaron, Aaron uh, you know, I, I kind of did want to get into your art a little bit. Um, and just, again, scrolling through your Instagram page – there's just so much color and vibrancy and life. I wonder, and you you deal with so much different, you deal with different subject matters. I mean, you deal with sports, but also you deal with social and cultural figures. I wonder just your general process as an order, uh, as an artist, uh, do you have a process that that you try to follow with each piece? Is is it different? Um, Just, just take me through that a little bit. Tell you sort of your process. Yeah. When I'm doing more of a personal, like just what I want to create, um, I honestly start with the color I'm feeling, uh, oddly enough. So if I'm feeling red, I put red down and I start with it. Um, and I just go from there. It's usually, I get into a flow state pretty intensely. Um, and I just zone out and I start painting and the whole painting kind of happens. And then usually like if I plan it a little bit more, like I got an iPad and I like, I'll, I'll sketch up, um, I got an iPad pro. So I'll be able to draw, they have a good drawing software on there, and I can I can kind of mock up some of my paintings beforehand if I'm not really sure. But most of the time, it's more just free form. I just like like to express myself. Uh, but when I'm doing a, like a commission, I really like to uh, collaborate with the the buyer um, to see like what's their favorite color, um, what's the feeling that they want to convey in this piece, you know. Um, and then I kind of I kind of that's my my approach to that painting then so like i know that if they want blue as an emphasis i'll make blue the emphasis of that piece but if they want it to be sort of a somber or sad feeling like a jazz piece a blue piece you know like i can i can kind of work with that with the colors and pops and all that you know and i can i can express that with the art so they give me creative liberty still but like i like to work with the the buyer and give them the best product possible the, 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 you know, obviously football, you know, I know you, you wanted to work out with the Apollos and it didn't, but in the fact, in, in, in the, in the, uh, the chance that maybe football in the end, even if the Apollos had stayed together, if, if football didn't work out for you, did you always know that you had this gift that you could fall back on and turn it into this, this, um, this product that you know, you, that you, that you have? No, honestly, 
um, it started to click this year for me. Um, I've always, I've always drawn. I have so many sketchbooks. Um, I would always get in trouble in meetings for sketching. Um, I would draw <laughs> my coaches in meetings. I would draw the, the team we were playing that week. I would draw their logo. I would draw rocket ships and robots and aliens and whatever else in my whatever popped into my brain. <laughs> I would just draw it. But then um, in December of uh, 2000, what was it? 18 i started like i started painting a little more seriously um <clears throat> trying to sell some stuff trying to make a little extra money here and there um and i was like this is really fun like i'm really enjoying this um but football you know football so <clears throat> i kind of backed off and then when we were with the apollos uh we actually stayed in jacksonville mm-hmm. so like i was fully anticipating on you know, being in orlando and like being around my friends and all that stuff so i was kind of isolated in jacksonville like we just went to practice and we came home and i sat in my hotel room most of the night you know mm-hmm. so i started drawing a lot more started painting a little bit more um and i was like this is something i really I, like i'm really like I never thought I could do it full time, but I was like, maybe I could. And then as the demise, as the, the end of the Apollo started, like all that happened so abruptly, um, I was like, what the heck? You know, I was like, and I started to realize, I was like, I have nothing set up for my future. I have my resume. I have no job experience. I have like, because I've always been an athlete. Um, I have accolades as an athlete, but what does that mean in the real world? How does that translate? You know, mm-hmm. um, leadership or whatever but like i don't know how to fill a spreadsheet out <laughs> you know not well you know what i'm saying um no i mean i i've read articles or you know a couple with you quoted in them after the after the downfall of the alliance and you sounded pissed that's all i would say about your responses oh, listen, well right. we're doing they're doing a documentary on it and they filmed me yet yesterday no kidding and, and you'll you'll hear uh you'll hear how i feel but um <laughs> uh <laughs> to say the least but um no, I, I painted the first big painting I did was the Nipsey Hussle pa- painting. Um, when Nipsey Hussle passed away, it really like the roommates I had of the Apollos and like the guys, the friends I'd made and just a lot of the friends I'd made in general through football and everything that really affected those men, like the, his passing. And it was compelling to me. I was like, wow, these guys are pretty insensitive usually. But this this man's legacy has really left an impact on their lives. And I was like, I want to learn more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some research and digging and I was like, wow, he's an actually a profound, uh, um, figure, you know, and I painted that piece in kind of like an honor of him and like the knowledge is power, like handling your business, handling your stuff. And like, I respect that, you know? Um, yeah. so that's the first piece I did. I did it on a piece of plywood. My, uh, my stepdad had some plywood left over from like the hurricane prep. And I was like, can I paint on it? And he was like, yeah, go ahead. So I went out in my yard. I got spray paint and I got some just paint. And I went to town, man, for hours. And I finished it. And it sold the same day. And I was wow. like, and it sold for like a, a grand. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> like, this is real. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, this is viable. Like, this is a really like a viable option. Um, if I, if I hustle, like if I put the same work ethic that I put towards football into my art, the sky's the limit, you know? Um, so, Mm. uh, that's when it started really gaining steam for me. Um, and then, uh, I hit a brick wall pretty hard. Um, I was still painting, doing my thing. It was going well. And the chiefs call me and they're like, we want you to come out for a workout for a trial for mini camp and mm-hmm. i was sick to my stomach like mm. I, I was like this doesn't feel right uh i don't really know what i should do but this definitely doesn't feel right um but i didn't just make a decision i sought counsel um and all that but then i was praying in my art really the decision to do the art full time um to make it a viable option for myself because i wasn't sold because you know the whole stereotype of the starving artist you know right um that way was weighing on my head and i was like i want to be able to provide for my family one day i want to be able to be that that type of person i'm not trying to be some scrub you know um and i was in my yard praying i was like god listen i'll go i'll go play for the chiefs but i really i don't want to Uh, i i don't feel right about it i want to paint I was like, but I need a sign. Like, I need you to give me a sign. Like, I need you to cl- smack me across the head. I need to drive by a billboard that says, Aaron, this is what you need to do. I need, like, <laughs> I need something to happen. You know what I mean? And, I mean, to finish, as soon as I finished that prayer, 
my family friend calls me and she's like, God, she's like, don't talk. She interrupts me before I can say hello. She's like, don't talk. She's like, God wants me to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, God's going to use you more in art than he ever did in football. Um, he's going to give you bigger platform. He's going to give you more resources, more network. Um, he's going to use you to start revival and all this stuff. And I broke down in my yard, man. I was just like, I was like, whoa, I've never had a God moment, you know, and, you know, yeah. people always at, talk about it. They like whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I called my agent that night and I told him I was done. I called the chiefs back and I told him I was good. Um, that I would not be representing their organization well if I went and played for them because I would just be using them for money because that's really honestly I would that was be that would have been the only reason I was going. Yeah. Um, and so I backed out of everything. Uh, God's really opening doors, man. I mean, as you can see, the, the uh, it's crazy. The I cannot. I am overwhelmed honestly with what's happening in my life. Uh, yeah. So I dropped everything. I dumped my entire life out, um, and here I am happier than i've ever been <laughs> yeah i'm looking at your you know I, we've seen your instagram we see your you see your website king-frog.com king uh, king-frog.com is where you can see um aaron's work i get you kind of answered like three of my questions that i had in, yeah. in your answer there because my question for you is like when did you know i mean it's one thing to you know kind of doodle around in a notebook like in a meeting right but it's another thing when you're when, when you realize Holy crap, man! I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, and that was that the moment when you, um, you know, with the Nipsey Hustle painting that you were like, "Oh my gosh, I, I'm, I, I can't believe, I like, I'm actually pretty darn good at this, aren't I?" Well, yeah, I was like, those, I was like, I couldn't believe because I know there's a lot of artists that like they can't sell their work and, um, or for whatever reason it's not selling and like they're highly talented people and like. And I was like, this is selling? Like, why, why, why my stuff? Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, was, I just went for it. Yeah. The, um, so uh, tell me, uh, tell us about when UCF contacted you and said, hey, man, we, you're, we love your stuff so much. We want you to go to town on a couple of murals inside the stadium. Tell us about that whole process. So around that time, I painted a Mackenzie um, uh, Melton painting. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I painted yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. And it kind of went, it got me a lot of attention initially. And that's sort of when UCF said, like, we want you to come up. Um, we're going to do a little photo shoot with you, do a little story on how you're doing this stuff. And that's when they kind of brought up uh, their new uh, mural project at UCF. And they're like, we would like for you to be like, to do a couple walls in the stadium. Um, that was all in May. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, because like <laughs> uh, I'm in a phase of my life right now, like because I really feel like I'm invincible. And I, I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean that in the sense of, like I got God on my side kind of thing. Like I've never had a God moment so vividly in my life. Um, so it's like I feel like every door that's opening, I need to be a little bit prudent, but I'm just going to step through that door. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that door swung open and I was like, yes, I'm in. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm in. I've never painted a wall mural. <laughs> but I was like, I know what I'm doing. That's what I told him. I was like, I got it. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's when we started getting the talks. And then, yeah, we just built up progressively till when I actually did the work. And they time lapsed it for you, too, which I think was just so cool to see oh, yeah. your process. It was so neat. Um, my favorite one that you did is uh, is the one of, I think it's, 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 uh, it's Justin McRae, right? Yeah. Yeah, with the, uh, where, uh, and it was the one that um, that uh, that Jordan commissioned for him for his birthday, which I think is just like just the 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 best gesture for from one brother to another, and to ask you to do it, I think that must have been a real was, honor too. Because it was such a it was such a fun experience for me. I was like, wow, like just knowing them so personally and like playing with them. And just like the whole, what you just exp exp expressed, it's, it's, it was just a cool experience for me. Um, it was surreal. Um, it was fun though. It, it was awesome. <laughs> right. What's it, what's, what's next for you? Like, what do you want to, when you think about like, not, not like your next commission piece, but like five, 10, 15 years down the line, like what are some of the things that you want to do with your art? 
Uh, so one of the things I want to do is I, I want to continue to do mural pieces for place uh, anyone and everyone. Um, I also want to create um, one of my goals is to open up a shop uh, storefront um, with a coffee shop vibe, but like a big like a, a big paint studio in the back. And I want to have a variety of types of classes like emotional intelligence, it's like self-expression, open paint night, um, formal classes like painting with a twist, like wine and all that. I want to have kids painting classes. Uh, I mean, you name it. But I also want this place to be like my mission for King Frog, like my vision for it is I want to create a community. Like I want to build a community of people who are centered around growth mindedness and love and like just pouring into one another and being authentic. Um, that's really like something I think is missing a lot in our culture today. And I think uh, there's not really anywhere to go hang out unless you're trying to get effed up Um or you're going to go sit in a movie or you're going to go spend a ton of money at a bar or whatever, you know, like it's just, I, I want to create a, a place that's open really late on the weekends for people to just come hang out and just to be, I want to have live music. I want to have mu- a food trucks come in. I want to like BYOB. If you want to drink alcohol, bring your own. Like I'm, so I want to be an open place for people to come hang out, you know? Um, I just, again, just, I want to create the environment for people to come be as they are and to make new friends and to just express themselves in a way that uh, doesn't really exist in our culture. That's awesome, dude. I mean, and it's something that certainly, I think you're right about that. It's a place where, in a way, I I think a lot of people kind of view this term as as derogatory, but I don't think it is. It's It's sort of, I think to be what you're describing is a sort of safe place for people to be themselves. And I think that's what all, that's what everyone kind of wants to do. And that's what, it, you know, it, and seeing, you know, knowing you as a football player and now seeing you in your next phase after that is something that you, know, you pursue so vehemently. And I think that's, that there's nothing more authentic than that. You know, you mentioned something also that I think is really interesting. And, I, and I'm always interested in this, not just from an athletic perspective, but from this perspective around life. Because I think they, they do share some things it's, you know, you talked about getting into the zone with a with with a painting. Yeah. Describe for us what's that, what, what that's like, because, you know, we hear about it. I, I can remember even as a kid, you know, hearing about, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, was one of the greatest at getting into the zone where you just you enter the state of consciousness where you're not you're not even really thinking. You're just reacting and you're so deep in the moment that you're intimately physically connected to whatever it is that you're doing whether it's playing basketball playing yeah. football involving an art describe for us what that is like um honestly like, i do a lot of like prayer meditation type thing like i, I before i start start a painting um i'm sort of like I, I need a focus right now um i need focus i need creativity i need all the like all the attributes I need in order to create a nice piece. I want I want to flow. I don't want to think too much because when I start thinking, I hesitate on what I'm going to paint, and usually the finished product is not as good. Um, but I just meditate on it and like think about the colors and I formulate it in my head. And I'm like, okay, let's do it, and I just go. Like I don't I I don't let myself stop. Like whatever color I'm feeling, whatever pattern I'm feeling, that's what I put on the canvas and. Um, I do it until I feel like this sense of like, okay, it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's really how I do it. I remember I, we were talking about, I was talking about my sister about how I'd get in the zone before games. I was talking to her about it tonight, actually. Um, and like, I remember I'm, I'm usually like very happy go lucky. Like I listen to jazz music, gospel music, and like uh, meditation music before my games. It was never like, <laughs> I was never hyped up. It was very just like calm. Um, but as soon as I heard that the kickoff theme song, the night nation song, and as soon as I knew the energy of like the kickoff was about to happen, it was like a light switch flicked on in my brain. And I was like, my whole body got goosebumps and I was like, I'm ready to go. Like I wanted to rip someone's head off, (laughs) but um, (laughs) like I can kind of channel a similar level of focus. It's not as uh, visceral. It's not as intense, um, physically, but like I can get into that that flow state where I'm just a zone out. It's fantastic, man. I, it's, I think we've all been there in some in some way, shape, manner, or form. Like whenever we're doing that kind of deep work. I yeah, think. exactly. I mean, if you're passionate about something, 
you zone out. Like if you're really entrenched in it, be where your feet are, you know, like just be passionate about it and just go, man. I mean, you'll be surprised what you can do. Go yeah. ahead. Murphy. Well, I love that about not hesitating because you don't want to, you know, there's no time for rethinking anything. You don't question yourself. You just believe it and you do it. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I do want to ask a dumb, a dumber question. Uh, I'm going to ask about football yeah, uh, and, and specifically uh, this UCF team this year. Uh, just how much are you looking for? I mean, I, I, we know you're still a huge fan, obviously. I'm, I'm assuming you might you still keep in touch with some of the, some of the guys. Oh, like yeah. maybe, I, was I, don't know, I was there yesterday dabbing them up before their lift. <laughs> yeah, right? JJ yeah. and Jake Brown and guys like that. Oh, Jake Brown's my best, one of my best friends, man. Um, <laughs> that's that's awesome. So he I just was my roommate in college. Me and him were just like we're boys. He's like my brother, man. So um, no, I'm really actually I'm very very excited to see what this team does this year. Um, I know they got a quarterback dilemma, but I also know that their offensive line is stacked right now. Um, yeah. I know they got a lot of guys that really really care. Um, they got a good coaching staff, and I really do believe that this could be a highly productive team. Their team is very cohesive. Like if you watch the media that the UCF football puts out and any of the clips you see from the locker room and stuff, you can just tell that these guys are really meshing really, really well. Like they, they genuinely care about one another. And honestly, that will drive success so much more than uh, a lot of things, you know, uh, that cohesiveness, because if they can work together and they care about each other, like they're limitless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this season. I'm it sounds to me like what you're talking about is like chemistry and, that's the thing yeah. that I think we've seen so, so much from the last three seasons is, and you mentioned this before, is that chemistry is the secret to putting together a good team. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what, I mean, like, Frost, I can't, I can't speak as well, as well for Hypel, but I, I, I see it. Um, but it's so important for the, the guys on the team to care about each other. When we went 0-12, no one cared about each other. Um, it was every man for himself, just survival. Um, everyone was in their own bubble. It was the perfect storm. Um, yeah. and like coming together and learning to trust one another and to learning to depend on one another and seeing your brothers go all out for you and workouts to communicate with one another and all that stuff. And just building that brotherhood beyond, beyond the sport, just as men, like men being friends, iron sharpens iron, you know, and, um, it, it speaks volumes to the coaching staff and it speaks volumes to the success that the teams have had. Yeah. Jake hasn't uh, told you who the quarterback is, has he? No. <laughs> and I wouldn't I tell you. I think you're going to ask him that, Murph. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. It's nothing personal. <laughs> no, I don't know, Murph. man. I really have no idea. I, Murph, um, is, like, Murph has an like inside protected. joke where he asks everybody who's the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> No, literally, Aaron, I've opened up like five or six interviews this this fall with the first question being who's the quarterback just to break the ice. Because that's, that's funny. Yeah. Aaron. So, Aaron Evans joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. So, uh, so as we wrap up here, uh, real quick, Aaron, where do you want people to, uh, if people are interested in seeing the work that you're doing, um, where can they go to uh, see your work and then reach out to you? Um, so you can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, I think, I believe it's a Evans underscore 66. And then on Instagram, it's a Evans underscore art. And also my other handle for my business is King underscore frog 1111. But, um, honestly, you're going to have a more, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Um, <laughs> it starts with a C, uh, complete, not the word complete, but you're going to see a, a full collection of my work. You're going to see a more extensive selection of the things that I've done, um, things that are available at king-frog.com. That's my website. Um, you can also get my merchandise there. I'm releasing new designs for T-shirts and uh, my logo and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, that's where you can see all the stuff that I'm doing. You can see the news articles. I've compiled everything there. Um, so it's just sort of like a overall, that's the king-frog.com is really the best place to, uh, see everything. And you can see all my contact information on there as well. Yeah. Just amazing stuff. And, uh, we've been so, we're lucky to see, uh, somebody express their talents in the way that you do. And, uh, here's to all the success in the future and stay in touch, man. We'll hopefully we'll, uh, with this, this certainly won't be the last that we'll hear from you and, uh, and yeah, best of luck going forward. All right. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right, Aaron Evans joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the uh, Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you here uh, as we take a look at some news and notes from uh, uh, around the, uh, the world of UCF sports. Um, Murph broke some news this week, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, I didn't. Yes, he Breaking did. news. No, it's a can't. Murph bomb, people. It's a mur- Don't ever <laughs> say that again, Eric. I will talk oh, to the screen and I will strangle you. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's you, you're not getting rid of that. Uh, Murph, a, a Murph bomb from UCF baseball this week. So Ted Tom is back, uh, Brian Murphy. What happened there? We should call it a Tom bomb because that just sounds better. <laughs> Uh, and, and also because uh, it was Ted Tom who really broke the news. I just found it, uh, that, uh, Ted Tom, uh, who last month in July got hired by Western Kentucky to be their assistant coach, a paid assistant coach after spending two years as a volunteer coach here at UCF. Well, his time at Western Kentucky has come and gone because he's now back at UCF. <laughs> he has replaced Ryan Klosterman as UCF's top assistant coach Klosterman. Uh, we mentioned on the podcast, it was a couple weeks ago probably, has taken the head job at Bryant University up north. So Ted Tom left UCF baseball technically for about three weeks, maybe a month, and now he's back, thankfully with a paying job under Greg Lovelady. And if you are on if you are on uh, Greg Lovelady's Twitter, he is evidently he's clearly over pumped. the moon about it. <laughs> is that <laughs> understandably so? Because like he was the only guy left in the building when. When everybody left. Now, I remember you talking about how, like, college baseball is kind of a small community. And I'd be interested to know, like, how that, the inside story of how that all went down. Because, you know. You'd be interested to know. So well, I. I mean, but it's not like Ted Tom was hired to be the head coach at Western Kentucky. I think that's the other oh. thing, too. So. Um, Went from a non-paying job to a paying job. And that's, then left that job to go back to the place where he came from, but taking a paying job here now. Right. So, um, so Ted is back. Uh, well, and, and, uh, and clearly, Murph. I mean, clearly, it was funny because I remember you and I spoke in the car coming back from football media day yes. about when Klosterman left, and we're like, "Man, I wonder if Ted Tom, wonder if he, you know, if he would have known, would he have stayed, you know, type of right. thing." Right. And now we know the answer. <laughs> if he would have known, he probably he would have. He just clearly they didn't know. Yeah. Just well, I mean, when well, when you're a volunteer assistant, it's like you're going to take the job that has that gives that, that gets you money. And I think the other thing too is like, so Klosterman getting the job at Bryant was it, it's one of those things where like it, it's not like Klosterman knew the entire time that he would get the job because there's an interview process, obviously, um, and so. It, it was just kind of like bad timing how it worked out like that. But I think all's well that ends well. So Ted Tom's back. Absolutely. UCF. Greg Lovelady's very happy about that. And if Greg Lovelady's happy, we're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other, uh, some more watch list stuff. Greg McRae, who I think has kind of been uh, a little underrated this year with the preseason awards, is uh, named to the uh, CFPA Performer of the Year watch list for uh, UCF football. Uh, 70, fewer than 70 season tickets remain um, in uh, Spectrum Stadium for UCF. So they're trying to get to the point where they're sold out for the rest of the year. Um, and uh, let's see. what. Um, oh, uh, Todd Dagenet, UCF volleyball head coach, has been inducted uh, or will be inducted into the Upper Peninsula Sports Hall of Fame in his native um, Michigan. Todd's from the UP, so... Um, congrats to Todd. I know he's really happy about that and he's a proud Michigander as well. So, um, and, uh, here we go, Eric Lopez, the, uh, preseason rankings for men's soccer came out and, uh, wouldn't you know it that the highest ranked team on UCF's campus right now, this moment is not UCF football at number 17 in the coaches poll. It's UCF men's soccer at number 15 in the United soccer coaches poll. Uh, so they will start the season um, right there. Fair, would you say, Eric Lopez? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I mean, they lose 10 senior, they ten play, seniors from uh, last year's team, but they do return good talent, including Cal Jennings back, who's on the Herman watch list, which is the mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy of men's soccer. And there's one other UCF men's soccer player that's also on the Herman watch list. So 
I mean, they're going to be the favorite of the American Conference, but I'll tell you, we're going to learn a lot about them soon because they open up at number four Wake Forest. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, all this talk about scheduling. We don't have to, there's no like talk about scheduling home and homes and two for ones here. No, we're just playing people. We're just going to play people here <laughs> and we're going to find out right away. That is un- Look at the first two games of that schedule with men's soccer. We're going to learn a lot. I mean, you talk about yeah. Wake Forest, North Carolina. Where's North Carolina? Is there, are they ranked? Carolina's on the, on the, in the first of September. I'll have to check, take a look at the rankings again. But, uh, but yeah, they, they do have Carolina on September 1st. At least they have some warm-up games before that, right? Uh, they get <laughs> FIU right before that. But then, man, they dive right on in. Ooh. That is just unbelievable. Uh, so we're going to learn a lot about them at Wake Forest, at North Carolina uh, on that weekend. And then they come home and host Penn State on the 6th. Uh, so, so it, it's, but yeah, I mean, they're talented. They had a great year last year. They were, a, remember, they got to host uh, yeah. national seed and uh, boy, it's, uh, it's, yeah, they're, they're going to be the favorites. I, I'm, I would be willing to bet for the American conference, but you know, we'll hope to have coach Calabrese on in the future here, but it will be interesting to see how this team handles these expectations. Now in their defense, they were the favorites last year uh, right. to win the league and they did very well. So, uh, but now they've got a bullseye where they're ranked. And, uh, man, <laughs> week four is right off the bat. And then at North Carolina, yeah. nobody in any sport will have a first tougher two-game stretch to start a season than UCF men's soccer in, in the country. Well, uh, you mentioned Carolina there, sixth in the country. Uh, or Wake, Wake is fourth, uh, and they got four first-place votes in the coaches' poll. Carolina's sixth, and they got two first-place votes in the coaches' poll. So, um yeah, they're they're going to be uh, testing themselves right off the bat. Uh, they also have, uh, you know, looking down the line, um, VCU is uh, is pretty is pretty solid. Penn State's pretty solid. This is going to be a this is going to be a big year for UCF men's soccer, especially if they can get through those two. Maybe get a result. And those are on the road too in in the Tar Heel State too. So good luck uh, and, and something to keep in and something to keep in mind, um, ACC Network. Opens uh, August twenty second. I wonder if one of those matches, if not both, might end up on the ACC network. When you're talking about two top fifteen matchups yeah. that weekend. Uh, but, so we by might... the way, Eric, you're you're right. Those two, those first two games against uh, that that second game against FIU, that's an exhibition game. I thought it was yeah. a regular season game. It's an exhibition game. So they do start the season at Wake yeah. and at Carolina. So. And again, I, look, I, that'll be the interesting thing. You did, men, UCF men's soccer might be the first UCF team to appear on ACC Network with one or both of those matchups. I would be surprised if at least not one of them uh, will be televised on the ACC Network, which is planning on carrying a lot of soccer. And obviously it's a powerhouse conference in soccer. So, yo, man, <laughs> they ain't ducking anybody, man. We ain't ducking anybody. The, That's the message. Holy man. The first UCF sporting event of the 2019-2020 season actually occurs this Sunday. It's, oh, my. It's women's, yes, it's women's soccer at Alabama on noon on Sunday. Murph, you're making uh, the trip? I'm <laughs> Tampa. It's an exhibition game. It's, uh, they, play, they play two exhibitions at Alabama and then home for North Texas a week from Sunday. But uh, their season starts on Thursday. The regular season actually starts Thursday, August 22nd. But... The exhibition man, right off the bat, dude. Here we go. We're four days away, and um, man, it is. Uh, it's going to pick up real quick here in uh, in the first well, part of the you, Let me let me ask you both this real quick. Uh, since we we talked odds earlier, uh, you know, betting and things. What are the yeah. odds? What odds would you give men's soccer, women's soccer, and volleyball all hosting conference ter- championship tournaments? A, here on campus, and then B, maybe even host NCAAs. Well, we know volleyball's hosting because they, the way that they started, the, the way that they're doing the tournament yep. is the previous year's champion gets to host. Yep. So we know volleyball's doing it. Um, I mean, men's soccer is going to be I, probably I, the favorites. They hosted last year because they won the regular season. They'll probably be the favorites. You know, and women's soccer was literally people forget. You know, people forget women's soccer. Had they beaten South Florida in the last game of the regular season, they would have won the conference title and would have hosted the tournament. So it's not that far fetched. No, you're absolutely right. And women's soccer, you know, coming up. I mean, it's funny how last year was kind. Of, you kind of consider that an off year. 
<laughs> and 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 they were still a, an eyelash basically from uh, from winning the conference regular season tournament outright. Um, yeah, I, I would put the chances pretty good. I mean, volleyball obviously has a one hundred percent chance of hosting it, but um, yeah, yeah. The boy without that, that would be a busy week, wouldn't it? Oh boy. God help us if that happens. <laughs> um, and then uh, let's see, as we finish up here. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, it's Louis Perez of the men's soccer team is also on the Herman Trophy watch list. So UCF has two guys on the Herman Trophy uh, watch list for, uh, for the 2019 uh, season. And uh, last but not least, key for UCF men's basketball this week. They are in Spain uh, for wow. a uh, for a for a, a foreign trip, uh, they arrived in Madrid early Wednesday morning. Um, they flew to, <laughs> Madrid, they flew here, oh, yeah, man. they flew from <laughs> here to Philly to Madrid, and uh, they have a uh, and they've got a few games that they're going to play. Uh, let's see, Thursday they're playing at one p.m. Eastern time, seven p.m. local time against the team called the Madrid Generals. Um, uh, they have two more games on uh, Saturday, August 10th, and Tuesday, August 13th. They come back Thursday, August 15th. But um, Murph, I want to know what you think about this because I thought this was volleyball last year. Right. Todd, Todd Dagenet took the team out to Puerto Rico, and there were a lot of newcomers on the team, one senior in Jordan Pingle. And I thought that that summer trip for them was key in working out a lot of the kinks that normally it would take them probably halfway into the season to work out does that extrapolate to basketball with all the newcomers this year i mean i I, you know i guess results this is a results-based argument or or, you know you know we'll we'll say at the end of the year whether it worked or not but hindsight 2020 yeah right exactly just on your premise though i thought i I thought the exact same thing i mean we heard uh coach dagenet bring up you know before the season and then during the season as they were really rolling how that Puerto Rico trip really brought them together um, because it was such a young team. Um, so maybe this, this, this time in Spain uh, does it for men's basketball. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's some, it's more than nothing. So there's that. That's all we got to go on. But yes, I think that is at least a, that's a good point because I thought the same thing. I mean, well, it, you got to remember like the coaches during the summer, like they're not permitted to actually have contact with the players for certain periods of time. And I think they're still in that no contact window. Now the players can organize their own workouts in the in the gym, but like the coaches can't be there to coach them. Well, the coaches are going to be coaching them this week, you know. So that's one, you know, that, that's the whole week uh, extra time that Johnny Dawkins and and the assistants have with this new group of players. So, um, I mean, it certainly can't be bad, right? Uh, you would you would assume not, right? So. Um, about jet lag and all that, you never know. But uh, well, it's, it's, Madrid, it's Madrid, Spain, people. It's pretty like we're all they're already winners. Right? Yeah. Fair all, point. They're all winners. Yeah. Murph, how did you not? I can't believe you you decided to stick around and cover practice instead of following basketball in Madrid. I'll, I mean, that's a high, mighty noble of you. I I couldn't uh, get my passport. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, it's okay. The jet lag will be fine. They've got about two months to recover. So yeah, we'll they'll be all right. They'll be all right. Well, classes will be starting pretty soon, but I think they'll be back in time for class. So, all right. So that'll wrap it up for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I wanted to um, send special thanks to uh, Aaron Evans for joining us, um, who was absolutely fantastic. One of the coolest interviews I think we've ever done. Um, make sure you follow him on Twitter at a Evans underscore sixty six. Uh, and also on uh, Instagram uh, as well uh, at a Evans underscore art and uh, King underscore frog one 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 is also his uh, his business handle uh, King dash frog dot com King dash frog dot com is his uh, is his website head on over there check out his stuff. Unbelievable! Some of the fantastic work he's doing, and make sure you take check out the murals at Spectrum Stadium too. So uh, when when the uh, first game rolls around later this month, oh my God, it's later this month. Uh, uh, Murph, uh, what do you got? What do you got coming up? This? Three weeks tomorrow, Jeff. 
I know. We're finishing up our five uh, five biggest questions facing UCF football. Murph, you got two of them up there. What else are you working on? Oh, stuff and things. <laughs> uh, I will be cl- I'll be scaling. I'll, I'll be scaling the outer wall of uh, Spectrum Stadium tomorrow afternoon. I'm sure to uh, to look at the practice Will and then consulting body language experts to take a look at both quarterbacks as they leave the field and see. Uh, yeah, I'll be stalking parents and whatnot, and then uh, <laughs> we'll all come back on Saturday and uh, and and talk to them. And I'm sure everything will be great. And it's like every practice, you hope everyone just stays healthy. That's all. All right, exactly. How about you, uh, Eric? I know we're almost there with the top 25 games the last year. It's there. It's the conclusion is there. It's already controversial because the VCU game is ranked six, which you can check out on fastpitchnews.com or in uh, on blackandgoldbanner.com. Oh, uh, the streams. Yeah, we got we got Dale there. I'm sorry. I've been I was breaking softball stories while you were Aaron Evans was on for crying out loud because apparently softball jobs have to open in August. You know, but uh, Soft, softball woge holding it down. So, yeah, I, I broke the FIU story the higher earlier this week. I thought, all right, I can coast, and now the Maryland jobs open up there. I mean, it's just insane. But we have the rankings done uh, for UCF. There's on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com, and uh, you know, we'll just kind of go from there. Plus, uh, you know, I'll be following Murph's videos. I mean, I thought Murph, and we haven't broken this down yet, the stretching this week was better than last week. I tell you, I, I put it out hey, there. I don't regret it. Uh, I saw 15 minutes of stretching, and I came away convinced this is the best team ever assembled in the history of any sport in America. Really? really? You think they stretch better than 2017? They stretch better than the uh, – uh, 1967 Cincinnati Reds. They stretch better than the 27 Yankees, really. Now we're talking. The stretching was was on a different trend. Like it was transcendental. It was it was just it was indescribable. The stretching was, uh, it was amazing. Well, of it, course, it they stretch better than the 27 Yankees. The 27 Yankees did nothing but drink beer and eat hot dogs and go out there and hit home runs. That's successful. <laughs> All right. As we finish up here at Black and Gold Banneret, we've got the five biggest questions we're finishing up. We'll finish. We'll be finishing Eric's top twenty-five games, and we'll be getting ready for football season as we uh, roll through here in the last few weeks of uh, well, not much going on until stuff really does start happening. So, for once again, thanks to Aaron Evans, and thanks to you for listening. For Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret podcast.